A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi. I'm Nate Fisher, and this is Timeline Tapes, the world history podcast brought to you by the YouTube channel Timeline. What we do here on Timeline Tapes is adapt the world history documentaries from our channel into podcasts so that you can listen to them whenever you want because we know that it's not always so easy to sit down and watch an entire series. These were all made for TV first, though, and that's why I'm here, to guide you through when things might not work perfectly for audio. Last week, we followed Canadian documentary filmmaker Simka Jakobovici as he started exploring the likelihood of the Talpiot tomb, discovered in Jerusalem in 1980, being that of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the second in a two-part episode that features leading experts from a variety of archaeological and theological fields. If you'd like to find out more about them, please check out the description of the episode. It's probably best if you listen to part one first. We begin episode two with a focus on the ornamental rosettes found inside the tomb. In 1980, the IAA catalogued four of the ten ossuaries from the Talpiot tomb as bearing no names. But these ossuaries were far from plain. Several displayed ornamental rosettes on their sides. And on the rear panel of the ossuary catalogued 80-506, they found a large cross mark. But this cross mark was immediately dismissed as a mason's mark. It is theorized that mason marks were scratched onto ossuaries by the coffin carvers as signatures, or marks indicating how lids should be aligned to boxes. The common belief among archaeologists and historians is that there is almost no archaeological evidence of early Christianity until the 4th century, 300 years after the death of Jesus. This is when the Roman Emperor Constantine the Great legalized Christianity, essentially allowing an underground movement acceptance into general civil society. Its popularity exploded across the empire, and Constantine became known as the first Christian emperor. But it's hard to believe that an early Christian movement, strong enough to last 300 years of persecution and then sweep the Roman Empire, would have left no archaeological evidence of its existence before its legalization. You know what? I noticed out of the corner of my eye yeah. a cross. 
inside a circle. What is that? That's great. I, I love that question because this is not a cross. This is four centuries before the cross was established as a Christian symbol. This is a rosette, the most common design on ossuaries of the first century. Other ossuaries have also crosses on them, but there are masons, marks, to fit the placement of the lid to the box itself. To prove the point that the cross was used as a Christian symbol in the first century, you need much more evidence than one poorly executed rosette. Today, the cross is immediately associated with crucifixion. But that is a reference that would have been horrific during the years directly following Jesus' death. For anyone in the first century to wear a cross around their neck would like someone today wearing a little electric chair. It was disgusting. It was a symbol of torture. And it was only when crucifixion was stopped that the human imagination was able to move from the reality to the symbol. But perhaps people did use crosses as religious symbols at the time of Jesus. Crosses that had nothing to do with crucifixion. In the Bible, uh, Ezekiel, there's a place where uh, God says, go to the city and put like we would say an X or a cross on the forehead of all the righteous people. This is Professor James Tabor at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. He is one of the leading voices accompanying Simca on his research. Before this is a cross, people are doing X's or crosses, but they're not thinking of Jesus, the cross, at all. What they're thinking of is it's the end, the idea of finalizing, right? Stamp, seal, delivered. And it took on an apocalyptic meaning then. It, the last letter means that you're sealed up, that you're finished, that you're okay, that you're waiting maybe for the resurrection. You know, let's mark the people that are prepared with the X or the Tav. The Tav, the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet, or Tau in Aramaic. In the book of Revelation, Jesus declares, I am the Alpha and Omega the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters in the Greek alphabet. Jesus would have declared, I am the Aleph and the Tau, as he spoke in Aramaic. And in his time, the symbol Tau was drawn as a cross. On the ossuary marked Jesus, son of Joseph, directly before the name Jesus, is a deliberate inscription of a Tao. That cross is absolutely part of the original inscription. It's the same depth and style of the inscription, plus the mineral vaporization, clearly going deep into all the letters. If this symbol, this Tao, was a mark of righteousness at the time of Jesus, it may very well have been adopted by his earliest followers. Centuries later, it would evolve into the Christian cross. It's a terrible thing when a culture is wiped out. And yet, you know, there's a sense in, what, in which that's happened to Jesus and his followers. And that sounds very shocking. Somebody says, what, Jesus and his followers? They became Christianity, they're not wiped out. But that original movement, the way they originally were, as Jews right here in this area, 
believing in their own version of the Jewish faith but also following Jesus, that sort of disappeared. And I think it's disappeared for theological reasons, even though I think the material evidence is around, if we'll just open our eyes and see it. Could it be that there was a movement made up of Jews who saw Jesus as their Messiah, not their God? And because this movement largely disappeared from history, we are blind to the archaeological evidence they've left behind. Where the Muslim gold dome of the rock now stands was once the Holy of Holies. There the Ark of the Covenant was housed. According to Luke, Jesus looked at the temple, foresaw its destruction, and wept. Where he wept is here, Dominus Flevit, a holy site on which Franciscan monks built this monastery in 1891. This spot would have been the perfect place for a Judeo-Christian cemetery, overlooking the temple they were sure Jesus would come back to rebuild. That's good. In 1953, while renovating, the Franciscans discovered a 2,000-year-old cemetery. This ancient necropolis was partially excavated by a well-known archaeologist named Bellarmino Bagatti. Bagatti claimed that these ossuaries belonged to some of the earliest followers of Jesus. If this is a early Judeo-Christian cemetery, then that means that our tomb is not sitting in some kind of archaeological vacuum. It's really part of a network of cemeteries. This can provide an archaeological context for our tomb. In this network of tombs, the Franciscans discovered a bone box with an inscription naming one of the most famous early Christians, Simon Bar Yonah. I don't know if everybody will recognize that immediately, but Jesus said to Simon Peter, who's venerated later as the Pope and the head of the church, you are Simon Bar Jonah, blessed are you, Peter. See, his name is not Peter, that's a Greek word. His name is Shimon, Shimon Bar Yonah. Today, only a piece of the ossuary remains. The Franciscans have stored it in a small museum beside their church. It bears an indisputable inscription, the only one ever found spelling the name Simon Bar Yonah. Simon was one of the 12 original apostles of Jesus. According to the Gospels, Jesus renamed him Peter, in Aramaic, Kepha, which means rock. He's considered a saint by many Christians and the first pope by the Roman Catholic Church. According to tradition, Simon Peter was crucified and buried in Rome. So how could his coffin be here in Jerusalem? The fact is there has never been any credible archaeological evidence found in Rome underneath the Vatican that points to Simon Bar Yonah. And here sits an ossuary discovered at Dominus Flevit bearing his name. So if this is a Judeo-Christian necropolis, it is part of a network of cemeteries and tombs that belong to the early followers of Jesus, including Jesus' family. 
Okay, you're not gonna believe this. What? You're not gonna believe this. I'm imagining it. Can you see? No, I see. It's a it's a symbol, symbol from the from the tomb, on an ossuary. This is incredible because the angle and, and, and the thing is identical. Identical. And the dot inside. The dot is deliberately inside. The inverted V with a dot in the middle, the symbol from our tomb, right on an ossuary from what is suspected an early cemetery of the followers of Jesus. To find this symbol displayed on an ossuary here, in the necropolis of Dominus Flevet, directly connects it to what is believed to be some of the earliest evidence of Christianity, as to who may have been buried in this ossuary and whether or not he knew the Simon of Cyrene who displays the same markings on his bone box, or the Jesus son of Joseph whose tomb has been emblazoned with the same symbol, we can only speculate. But when it comes to forensics, modern science doesn't allow for much speculation. By studying ancient DNA in bone fragments and human residue left behind in ossuaries, scientists can now determine familial relationships between the various people in the Talpiot tomb. Stephen Fan is the director of the Center for the Study of Early Christianity, and he's assisting Stephen Cox a forensic archaeologist from New York State. They have discovered valuable material inside the ossuaries inscribed Mariamne and Jesus, son of Joseph. Inside this ossuary, we've got some material that's adhering to the surface of the stone in a uh, very interesting circular pattern. Uh, it's worthy of picking out and taking, uh, taking a look at it and see what its composition is. The pattern and or material could give us a big clue as to who, what, when, and where. It seems outlandish that these samples might contain the DNA of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. But if there is enough material, these tests may shed a new light on Jesus and his family. So this is sample 80-500. The samples have been numbered and sent to this DNA lab in Thunder Bay, Canada one of only five labs in the world that specializes in ancient DNA. The scientists don't know that the samples belong to a Jesus son of Joseph and a woman who might be Mary Magdalene. If these bone samples truly do belong to Mary Magdalene and Jesus of Nazareth, we would expect the tests to show that they are not genetically related we would expect to find DNA representing two individuals with no familial ties. And that would be an extremely rare discovery in a family tomb, unless the individuals were husband and wife. Okay, so we received the samples that you sent up, and uh, when we first examined them, they, they didn't look very good, very dry, very desiccated, very small and very fragmentary. And so for that reason, it was gonna be very difficult for us to do the analysis. We then went on to process, or start to process the samples and try to understand the quality of the DNA. Is it going to be viable for analysis? Uh, in this particular case, we found the DNA was fairly degraded, fairly damaged. And for that reason, it limits what type of work we can, can do. The question now, is there enough DNA material 
to create a significant profile. To obtain the maximum amount of information, the biologists will try to recover what they call nuclear DNA from the bone cells. The extraction analysis showed that nuclear DNA was very difficult to recover. We have then focused on the mitochondrial DNA, the mitochondrial DNA being inherited from mother to child and maternally inherited means that we can only identify those types of relationships. The bone material is too degraded to recover DNA from the nucleus of the cells. And so the DNA extraction is now focused on the bone cell's mitochondria. Mitochondrial DNA can only tell us whether or not Jesus, son of Joseph, had the same mother as Mariamne, whether or not they were brother and sister. If the biologists cannot recover mitochondrial DNA from the bone cells, the test will have to be aborted. And we will never know the true relationship between Jesus and Mariamne. We have indeed been able to achieve results. We got the mitochondrial DNA. It was very fragmented, very small amounts of DNA. We were able to amplify it, we were able to sequence it. We then went on to clone those sequenced DNA fragments, and by cloning the DNA, we were able to then compare many, many copies together. And that increases the validity of the work, and that way we were able to compare the sequences between that one individual and the other individual. And that's essentially what we've done. And I can show you the results here today. They do not share the same mother. It can't be mother and child. It can't be brother and sister. So for these particular samples, because they've come from the same tomb and we suspect it to be a familial tomb, um, these two individuals, if they were unrelated, would most likely be husband and wife. For centuries, people have speculated on Mary Magdalene's relationship to Jesus. Mary Magdalene appears with more frequency than other women in the canonical Gospels, always a close follower of Jesus. Her presence at the crucifixion and Jesus' tomb is consistent with the role of a grieving wife and widow. And so perhaps Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married, as the DNA results from the Talpiot ossuaries suggest. Perhaps their union was kept secret to protect a potential dynasty. A secret hidden through the ages. A secret we may be able to uncover in the Jesus family tomb. We've finally been able to contact one of the original builders of the Talpiot apartments. Ephraim remembers the tomb, but is a little hazy on its exact location. Okay, he says it's right between these two buildings. Let's try. Between the apartment complexes is a large garden with high terraces, and it's in this area that Ephraim states the tomb is located. The neighbors begin to take an interest in the search and point out an inconspicuous cement slab on the lower terrace. Okay. No, this is definitely it. Look, there's the chevron. It's beautiful. It's just gorgeous. This is it. Look. Just like in the book. Just like in the picture. Look at it. Felix, we found it. We actually found it. Hey. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Timeline Tapes, where the Talpiot tomb has just been recovered. And Simka is now looking into the strange disappearance of an important ossuary. The opening of the tomb, 26 years after it was found, coincides with another twist in the story. One of the Talpiot ossuaries has disappeared. Counting these, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, we have ten ossuaries here. Each but the visits to the Bet Shemesh warehouse have turned up a strange error in the records. I went to the, the storerooms of the Israel Antiquities Authority in Bet Shemesh. They provided me with this computer sheet, which indicates that from this tomb, there are nine items. It says it quite clearly, number of items, nine. And it has the description of uh, these ossuaries these and where they're located in the storerooms. Somehow, somewhere, one of the Talpiot ossuaries went missing. And it is with this missing ossuary that a new mystery begins. Perhaps the ossuary was stolen. Maybe a worker at the site in 1980 had light fingers. Ossuaries can fetch fairly high prices in the antiquities market. And in October 2002, a chalky limestone ossuary surfaced from a private collection. It bore the inscription, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Oded Golan, a well-known collector, stated that he had bought the ossuary from an Arab antiquities dealer in the old city of Jerusalem decades before, but had been unaware of the significance of the inscription. It was among the first ossuaries that I have in my collection. I didn't put any special attention uh, to this ossuary because the three names which are mentioned on the ossuary, which are Yaakov, uh, Yosef, and Yeshu, Yeshua, are very common name um, in the first century. And therefore, I 
couldn't even think uh, that it could belong to the family of Jesus. And at the same time, I never knew that Jesus had a brother or siblings uh, of any kind. After Jesus' death, his brother James took over his ministry and gathered a large following as the undisputed leader of the Jesus movement. Later Christian writings tell us that he was respected by early Christians as well as the Jewish Pharisees. And first century Jewish historian Josephus spends more time on James than on Jesus. But just like his brother Jesus, it was fear of his religious popularity and influence that led to his death. In what was widely viewed as an act of judicial murder, the temple high priest Ananus condemned James and had him executed in Jerusalem by stoning. The numerous accounts of James's life show an early Christian of such importance that if it was at all possible, he would most certainly have been laid beside Jesus in death. It wasn't until 2002 that a highly credited scholar viewed Oded Golan's collection and suggested that the James ossuary might belong to the family of Jesus of Nazareth. And so began what is now a famous controversy, a battle of scholars and science over the authenticity of the James ossuary. The James ossuary, where did it come from? The collector who owned it, Oded Galan, well publicized, says he got it around 1980. Sometimes he said before or after, but hey, around 1980. Our tomb was discovered in 1980. There's a missing ossuary. The Israeli antiquities can't find it. Now, maybe they'll find it in the back of a warehouse, but I checked the dimensions. I was just curious. The missing ossuary was cataloged. It's just gone. The dimensions of that ossuary are the same as the James ossuary. Now, a lot of people have concluded, experts, that the James Oshuary is a forgery, but nobody says it's all a forgery. And the position now of the Israel Antiquities Authority is that it originally said James, son of Joseph. I would be fine with that. I mean, you think about it. We've got these six names. If the James, son of Joseph, forget brother of Jesus. See what the Oshuary says, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Some people say, well, the brother of Jesus, maybe that was at it. It wouldn't matter. Obviously, it'd be the brother of Jesus. You got a Jesus, a Joseph, a James, son of Joseph, if it were from this tomb. Now, we're speculating, but the time is right, the name is right, and that, I think, would really make it fairly clear that this is a Jesus family. But what would it take to determine whether the James ossuary originated in the Talpiot tomb? The date and the recorded dimensions are extremely suggestive but it's the patina that should prove the case one way or another. Over time, in a tomb, minerals and sediment accumulate on ossuaries. This accumulation is called patina, and it could be scientifically analyzed to produce a chemical and mineral fingerprint specific to an ossuary or tomb. Every ossuary discovered in a particular tomb will have the same patina fingerprint. The samples taken from the James ossuary show certain trace materials such as titanium and iron that are unique to the James ossuary. If the James patina matches the ossuaries from the Talpiot tomb, 
it will be strong evidence that the James ossuary is the missing bone box and belongs to the family of Jesus. Dr. Charles Pellegrino has come to the Bet Shemesh warehouse in Israel to collect patina samples from the Talpiot tomb ossuaries. It's just one of those moments where you're struck to a kind of silence, uh, knowing that you're holding the chemical history from the ossuary that may actually have contained the remains of Jesus of Nazareth. At Dr. Pellegrino's request, we commissioned the collection of random patina samples to determine whether the Talpia tomb patina is really distinct. If the random samples do not match the Talpia ossuaries, while the James samples do, then the statistical probabilities that the Jesus family tomb has been found will be overwhelming. If it were possible to obtain evidence that the James ossuary might be this missing ossuary, then this would have a very strong additional degree of uh, evidentiary value. Um, I would say that that would be an absolute slam dunk if that were in fact shown to be the case. The Suffolk Crime Lab is a leading American CSI lab involved in solving modern-day crime mysteries. Today, it will use its forensic expertise to determine how the patina from the James ossuary and the patina from the random samples compare to the Talpiot ossuaries. What we're looking at here now is the spectrum of the patina sample that we just analyzed. This is predominantly a limestone material, correct, Charlie? Yeah, it's what's called the Jerusalem chalk. It's a very soft limestone. Uh, but what I find interesting is the small trace materials that we are locating here, as opposed to the general limestone properties that you would expect to find. We're noticing iron, titanium, potassium, phosphorus, magnesium. So far, the uh, elemental composition that we analyzed with this particular section of patina is consistent with the trace materials that we found in the James ossuary. The signature is the same. It matches. The patina samples from the Talpia tomb match with the James ossuary. But what about the random samples? As it turns out, none of them match Talpiot. The same chemical and mineral spikes as that of the Talpiot tomb are exhibited only by the James patina. This is key evidence, indicating that the ossuary inscribed James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, is the missing ossuary from the Talpiot tomb. When the James ossuary is included in our statistical model, the probability factor changes from 600 to 1 in favor of the tomb to 30,000 to 1 strongly suggesting that this tomb belonged to the family of Jesus of Nazareth. During the rushed excavations in 1980, archaeologists removed from the Talpia tomb the last ossuary with an inscription. The ossuary belonged to a child. At the IAA Rockefeller Museum, the inscription was translated, Yehuda bar Yeshua. Yes, Yehuda bar Yeshua, 
comes into English as Judah, son of Jesus. Judah, son of Jesus. The New Testament doesn't say that Jesus had a son, but perhaps in this instance, archaeology forces us to throw a different light on the New Testament. Could this bone box have once held the remains of the son of Jesus and Mary Magdalene? If Judah was their son, his existence would most certainly have been kept secret. Since Jesus was perceived to be a pretender to the royal throne, Jesus' son would have been a target of arrest and crucifixion by Roman authorities. It was a time of great persecution. Anyone associated with Jesus' ministry was threatened. His cousin, John the Baptist, beheaded. James, the brother of Jesus, stoned to death. Simon, another brother, crucified. If they were parents, Jesus and Mary would have known that leaking knowledge of the birth of their child would have put the child at terrible risk. So perhaps the unnamed beloved disciple referred to in the book of John is actually the son of Jesus, who remains unnamed in the text to conceal the child's lineage. In John 19, 26, Jesus asks the beloved disciple at the base of the cross to behold his mother. He then says to Mary, Woman, behold your son. Traditionally, this scene has been understood as Jesus addressing Mary, his mother. But can this be later theology? Could it be that Jesus was talking to Mary Magdalene, his wife, asking her to protect their son? On the other hand, Maybe the fact that there was a son in the Talpia tomb means that the Jesus found in this tomb is not Jesus of Nazareth. Accordingly, we would have to believe that living around the same time, in the same place, there was another Jesus who also had a father named Joseph and two close male relatives named James and Jose and two women in his life, one called Maria and the other Mariamne. What's that noise? I think they're getting upset they weren't here. I'll go, I'll go talk. One of the tenants in the Talpiot Apartments works for the Israel Antiquities Authority. And even though we have permission from the tenant board, she's called in the IAA. It was the Talpia department owners who, out of concern for their children's safety, arranged for this tomb to be sealed, a tomb that the IAA had left open in 1980. Obtaining permission from the IAA to open a tomb they never sealed seems unnecessary. But despite our pleas, we were asked to cover it again. Okay, let's go. Let's go, not lift up. The tomb that arguably once held the remains of Mary 
the mother of Jesus. Matthew from Mary's family line. Jose and James, the brothers of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, her husband Jesus, and Judah their son is sealed up again. Who knows what secrets are still inside and for how long they will be kept hidden under the Talpiot apartments. Thanks for listening to part two of The Lost Tomb of Jesus on Timeline Tapes. If you need some more history documentaries, make sure to head over to our channel, where we've got hours of free world history documentaries for you to enjoy. If you want to contact Timeline Tapes, you can email us at timeline at little.studios.com, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both at TimelineWH. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and please give us a five-star rating and write a short review, too. I've been Nate Fisher. This has been Timeline Tapes. Let's go down in history together. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.